place it comfortably. Evening everyone, old and new. I'd like to talk a little bit tonight about um, intimacy and solitude and um, as you know I've been writing a book on <coughs> relationships and um, sin and intimate relationships and trying to apply that to that experience and um, having having read having written most of the book and, and the, the, the book is about human beings relating to one another you know and relating to one another without fear you know and which often you know eyeball to eyeball you know facing in um, rather than facing away and all the, all the different intricacies of, of intimacy as once I got to the end of the book, I felt that it needed um, a little bit more balance because um, a Zen life is um, a life of intimacy with everything, really, with the whole of life, not just one special person, you know, or a family or whatever. Um, it's about our relationship with, with, um, with the sea and the bush and the sky and the stars, you know. And butterflies, mm -hmm. and so often our our human attention is so can be so uh, focused in on other human beings that we get to see we don't get to see the kind of bigger picture that we live within. And we're often so preoccupied with, um, you know, what we think of other people and what other people think of us and this issue and this thing that needs workshopping in the relationship, etc., etc. We get so caught up in it um, that it can be refreshing, you know, in, in intimate relationships to, for people to experience solitude as well. Mm -hmm. And it's so important. And it's like bringing a breath of fresh air into a relationship for solitude to be there and give freedom for the other to have solitude. Of course, all of these things come in balance, you know, and you could have too much solitude and not enough intimacy. But also you could have too much togetherness, just too much togetherness and not enough solitude either. And um, some people have a style in relationships where their sense of fulfilment in life is so focused on relationship and friendship and um, that aspect of their life that they, they find it very difficult to tolerate solitude and to, to tolerate aloneness. It's like they've got to go towards relationships and intimacy all the time and eye-to-eye -eye contact because it's something they can't tolerate in the solitude. Um, so it's fear-driven when it's like that. And some people have a tendency to avoid intimacy with others, you know, and they can be loners, you know, and they're, they're, they're sort of more comfortable in their solitude but they're not really comfortable with other people, you know, and they seek that out all the time. So whichever way we go, whether we have a bias that way or we have a bias this way, if it's driven by fear, like a fear of intimacy or a fear of solitude, then it's not something that's quite complete within us because it's really, you know, in Zen practice we're trying to address the fears in our life, you know, and reduce their sort of irrational power over us. And um, the more we do that, the more we can move 
seamlessly and easily between solitude and intimacy. <clears throat> um, I recently um, finished reading a, a really great book which is called The Philosophy of Walking and I can't remember the author but it's maybe French but it's a really good book really well written, really clear, precise writing and very, very deep and some of the essays are just simply about the act of walking it's putting one foot in front of the other and one foot in front of the other and having some kind of vague destination out there that you're going to and the first chapter and it repeats it ad nauseum right through the through the essay is that walking is not a sport uh -huh. it's not a sport it's not about how better you can walk than someone else or how fast you're going to get there or whatever it's just going at your rhythm you know wherever it is that you want to go to outside and um, <clears throat> has some essays on um, some well-known philosophers like Rousseau and uh, Nietzsche and people like um, David Henry Thoreau in the US and Basho, um, the Japanese walker. All of these people were famous walkers, right? And they just walked and walked and walked and, and they walked often for... Many of those people I've just referred to, including um, William Wordsworth was another one. These people walked for about six hours a day. Right? <coughs> Not necessarily going like hundreds and hundreds of miles on a trek <coughs> but walking every day from their house and walking through forests and mountains and paths you know around villages and so on and um, it's how they cleared their mind and it was an act of solitude to do that <coughs> and reading this book you can see so clearly how the practice of walking or the act of walking is so similar to to Zazen and the experience we get from Zazen, which is also a kind of um, solitary activity in itself too, even though we do it together. Kind of like it, it is the combination of meditation, what we do kind of is the combination of intimacy and solitude. There's a kind of a communal feeling which is created out of sitting together and yet you're just alone there with your own experience. Mm -hmm. And as it says in this book about walking and the experience of just walking is that when you do it you a lot of societal stuff just kind of drops away mm -hmm. and and if you walk and you walk and you walk you kind of realize how much everyone's caught up with measuring their their social status you know and how they are compared to that person da 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 da, da and whether this person likes me or doesn't like me and um, it's just a preoccupation and when people are only just focused on other human beings sometimes as it says in this book we become too preoccupied with too much backslapping do you know and too much kind of cloying sentimentality and then just when you go walking in nature it all just drops away mm -hmm. just all just drops away and you're just a person walking like you're just an animal in a sense, just walking through the forest and your experience is just one foot after the other, empty mind, things going past you, transience, mm -hmm, moving. Mm -hmm. And all of that brings a kind of freshness into our lives. So <clears throat> it's important, I think, from a Zen practice perspective to get those two things 
imbalance in our life, where it's possible. Maybe we're difficult with children, probably crave more solitude. Um, but to notice whether there's a fear to cling to one or the other. Mm -hmm. And as in practice, it's not, not to cling to anything out of fear. And the aspiration is to be just at home, just as much at home in intimacy as we can be at home in solitude. And, um, and even with solitude, um, and I've read many different books about people who've sailed around the world by themselves who have, or have walked by themselves or have sat for a long time by themselves like the Buddha. Um, sometimes it's through that, that solitary experience of life that we can sometimes get a glimpse of intimacy with life that two people as a couple walking hand in hand could only ever dream of in a way. You know, it's a sense of very deep, deep connectedness with everything. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we have people who are trailblazers like the Buddha, you know, who go out to, to live at least for some part of their time, their life in some sense of solitude, to really bring that experience and bring it back into the, into the human realm. And finally, do you know the... Um, the, the ten ox herding pictures in Zen, you know, which sort of a um, ways of describing in, in a picture form the different stages that you go through in Zen practice. And the, the last one <coughs> is of the awakened man coming, he's spent, you know, years in the forest or in a mountain or in a hermitage. But the final, the final passage is coming back into the town with what's described as bliss-bestowing hands, you know, and just being very comfortable with the ordinary folk who are there. As it says in the poem, hanging out with wine-bibbers and prostitutes. Right? Just as comfortable there as it is in his just pure mountain hermitage. No, no division, no clinging to one or the other. Um, that's what we're aspiring to do in practice.